At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making peer support for post-traumatic stress disorder easily accessible. With a vision of a world where finding help and support is simple and the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. Two, one. Today, for episode 38 of Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast, I am very pleased to have Danae Lott. We are going to be talking, she is a PhD candidate, a doctoral candidate, and the, her scope of study at the moment is very near and dear to my heart because it's the reason this whole podcast started in the first place, which is my kids and my relationship with my children because the sudden realization of my behavior because of the trauma injuries was affecting my children, which ain't cool. Danae, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, let's talk about some of the stuff you've got going on here before we, we jump right into the, the trauma research. The Can Learn Society. Tell me about that. So Can Learn Society is um, sort of a mix of counseling, assessment, and then academic intervention and coaching. Um, and so what they do there is they provide supports, both mental health and academic for kids that are struggling in school specifically, um, but also for kids with ADHD and emotion regulation problems. Now, um, we're speaking earlier, ADHD is one of the reasons for emotional inability to regulate emotions. Mm -hmm. What are some other uh, underlying causes of having inability to regulate emotion? So kind of the big ones that you see in kids are things like anxiety, depression, um, sort of just low mood in general. And kids can go one of two ways. They can internalize that and withdraw and sort of feel sad, or some kids will externalize. And that's when you see more emotion regulation problems, like having tantrums, outbursts, getting angry with parents or teachers, refusing work, that kind of stuff. A common symptom of PTSD is also an inability to emotionally regulate. So that's that's something I've certainly seen and experienced myself personally as well. The temper tantrums, uh, the, the road rage. I mean, a lot of people can get road rage, but uh, when you have PTSD, it's a whole other level. Mm-hmm. It's put it in the park, get out of the vehicle, and <laughs> you're, you're ready to rumble kind of <laughs> level. So not good at all. And of course, now, how does that affect people? Um, in retaining a employment when they can't regulate their emotions? Well, it can be very challenging, right? Because kind of like you're saying there with the road rage, if you're doing that kind of thing in the workplace, um, your fellow employees are not going to appreciate that. Your boss is not going to appreciate that. Um, even with emotion regulation, it can be hard to say, okay, I'm stressed about getting this task done and I need to regulate that in order to do it. So um, sometimes people struggle to even get work done, even if they're not lashing out at other people. It's just hard to manage your own emotions sort of individually and get stuff done or focus and that kind of thing. And that's going to also tie into anxiety management, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. If you're really worried about all the tasks piling up or kind of what you're doing at home, then that distracts you and makes it difficult to focus on your workday and getting through um, whatever tasks are on your plate. So as a group facilitator, is that like workshop-based, providing tools? Mm -hmm. What are some of the tools for emotional regulation that you like to share? Um, Well, for kids, we do um, a lot of the work is about recognizing what you're feeling because when you're 8 or 12, you don't really have the words to say, well, I'm feeling anxious. So we do a lot of work about 
okay, so if this is what anxiety feels like, and then maybe I need to go um, have a cuddle with mom and dad, or I need to use a stress ball or do jumping jacks and get some of my energy out and then go back to my day at school. Sometimes it just is going to get a drink of water from the fountain, having a walk around the school, that kind of thing. Sounds like the key really is self-awareness. Yeah, really. And it's that's very challenging for kids, but it can be challenging for adults too, is just recognizing when I don't feel good, what is that? And then what do I need to do about it? Well, it's no different for adults of any age. Uh, when at our peer support groups from the age of 65 to uh, actually 73, one guy, um, uh, down to uh, younger folks in their 20s. And emotional regulation with, without self-awareness, you can't catch yourself because you think everybody else is the problem. Right. You made me mad mm -hmm. is what we hear. Uh, they're, they're looking externally instead of internally for the cause of why I'm mad because mm -hmm. you made me mad. No, <laughs> you right. got to take responsibility for your own emotions kind yeah, of thing. Exactly. Now you wrote a paper, uh, riding the roller coaster. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. So I wrote that paper, um, as part of a newsletter that was at a mental health clinic in a school that I was working at. Um, and it goes out to parents. Um, and it's just sort of talking about, you know, when you're a teenager, it's normal for your emotions to be up and down and move really quickly and for you to just be a little bit dysregulated. So that paper was basically to normalize like, yeah, your teenager is going to get very upset sometimes. Sometimes they're going to yell at you, but what can you also do to help them manage that? And um, when to realize that maybe this is not just regular teenage years, this is a little bit more of a problem. Well, nature versus nurture when it comes to the ability to emotionally regulate. Um, talk to me about how what you've seen so far about adults with PTSD, parents, uh, military parents or first responder parents with PTSD, and how they have modeled and mirrored to, to their children and how that affects the children's ability to emotionally regulate. So we kind of think it maybe goes one of two ways. Um, you learn, you're socialized by your parents, basically. So if your parent is not um, regulated as they could be and they are having road rage or um, sort of you're walking on pins and needles because you know that they get frustrated really fast, really easily, then that might lead you to be a kid that says, okay, so when I get angry, this is what I do. Maybe I shout or I... Um, throw things or it leads some kids to kind of withdraw and say, okay, so if I'm upset, my dad's going to get upset. So maybe I just need to hide that and be quiet and withdraw. So it can kind of go one of two ways, um, sort of mimicking what their parent is doing or hiding some of those things from their parent in order kind of to protect their parent almost. Isn't one of the symptoms of uh, trauma an inability to regulate? Yeah, it's sort of the central symptom of it almost. Um, I'm sure you've heard about the limbic system before and you go mm. the fight, flight or freeze, and then you kind of get stuck there. So you're so um, overstimulated that it's hard to keep your emotions in check, basically. We talk about the trauma cup. Mm -hmm. And uh, when the trauma cup is right up at the brim and there's almost a meniscus there, <laughs> it doesn't take much to spill over. And the spillover is the emotional uh, outburst. Mm -hmm. um, and when your cup is full, it doesn't take much to upset it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take much at all. Um, the study that you're doing right now, what was your driver? Why, uh, out of all the things you could have picked, why did you pick um, the, uh, the effects of uh, secondary trauma on, from military, on military children because of military trauma? 
was really interested in um, there's sort of this increasing awareness about like, secondary trauma, intergenerational trauma. So I was interested in, so we're talking about military people with a high risk of getting PTSD, occupational stress injuries, those kinds of things. But there's not a lot of information out there about what happens to their kids, even though we know that it makes it difficult to parent when you have something like PTSD. Um, so I was interested in kind of getting a better understanding of what happens to those kids so that we could plan some better interventions for them, but also looking at what are the strengths that come in with being in a military family, because we know military families are very well connected with one another. You kind of share the sense of purpose, like you said, they're helpers. Um, so how do those kind of protective factors help kids stay resilient, even though their parents might be at a higher risk for something like PTSD? How far along are you in this research study? I've been collecting data since April of 2020, um, so I'm hoping to wrap up data collection in December, depending on how quickly that goes, and then that'll all get written up and hopefully sort of sent out there into the world by next summer is kind of where we're at right now. And once this research is done and you've got your findings and your conclusions, where is it going to go and who is it going to help? So my plan is to publish it. Um, there's the Canadian Journal of Military and Veteran Health, and they are really well connected within the military community in Canada. So I'd like to publish it there so that anybody that's planning interventions for military families might be able to use it. But also um, I've sort of started getting connected with the military family resource centers. So there's someone I might like to work with in the future to plan even a, a youth support group or a parent support group, something like that, that specifically focuses on helping families. So you're hoping, if I understand, that uh, this research will be a focal or a, a foundational block for peer support groups. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or even individual intervention. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to that, both for our own uh, peer support groups that, that we have here, and uh, both military and for... Uh, first responders as well. Mm -hmm. uh, this particular podcast, I didn't delineate. I, I didn't pick firefighters or, or cops or just military veterans because it's, I think we're all in the same boat. Uh, the modality of trauma isn't all that important. Um, now, for yourself, do you believe so far that trauma is trauma is trauma or is there a point to delineate between sexual trauma and physical trauma and all these different types? What do you think of the importance of the modality of the trauma? So based on what I've learned so far, I think if it's traumatic to you, it's traumatic and that's kind of good enough. Um, we do know that symptoms of PTSD can kind of vary. So if you have a sexual trauma versus a physical assault trauma, just the reaction might be different and the symptoms of PTSD might look a little bit different, but that doesn't mean that one person is more traumatized than the other, basically. It just can look a little bit different for people. And that's part of um, the importance of studying it is understanding what it looks like for different people. And the recovery process for trauma, what have you discovered so far about the challenges of recovering from traumatic injuries? I think one of the, the challenges that I've encountered so far in my work is that if something's traumatic to you, you naturally don't want to talk about it and you don't want to think about it. So that can be a big barrier for people is just sort of crossing that line and saying, okay, I'm going to go talk about this and deal with it. Um, I think another issue, um, I think it's getting less and less, but the stigma around seeking help for just mental health in general, but particularly 
traumas in a profession where your job is to help and protect, it can be challenging for people to say, okay, I'm going to be vulnerable as well and go seek out help for my own um, difficulties. There are some that say, let sleeping dogs lie <laughs> and uh, don't stir the pot. And and I understand that uh, uh, trauma work, trauma therapy is one of the most challenging things I've ever endured in my life. And being re-traumatized or re-traumatized mm -hmm. by going through it again and again and again. And um, uh, it's, I understand people's urge, but what are the uh, upsides and downsides of not disturbing the pot mm -hmm. and, and not addressing those traumas? Well, not addressing the traumas, then like you said, you don't have to kind of go through it and go through it and go through it. But that doesn't mean that it's not there and it's not affecting the way that you experience anxiety and deal with your family, right? So people, I think, sometimes think that if I just keep pushing it down and down and down, it'll go away. And the research would suggest it's going to it's gonna be there until you push it out the door, basically, or deal with it. Um, yeah, if that makes sense. Does it fester? I would think so, right? It's it, There's the saying, you're only as sick as your secrets, right? And I think it's kind of that. It, it kind of keeps, holds people down and it can get worse and worse. And yeah. We've seen uh, at the Operational Stress Injury Clinic uh, some pretty old folks in there that um, how long can it can it lay dormant where you think it's okay, but it isn't? Like, what's the longest you heard of, of the symptoms popping out later in the game? Um, you know, I'm not too sure. I, uh, I've had the chance to go to the veterans um, uh, food bank and there was, I had the chance to talk to some of the veterans there who were in their seventies and there's things that still bother them. So I'd say it can stay with you basically forever unless you sort of take that leap and kind of try and deal with it. We've seen people that uh, have been out of the military for 30, 40 years and then suddenly decide, okay, yeah. <laughs> it's time to deal with this now, right. which meant that they spent those 30 or 40 years suffering mm -hmm. and having others around suffering because they just couldn't bring themselves to face it and to start dealing with it. Right. Um, but even at that age, it, it isn't too late. Mm -hmm. I, I have personally seen people heal um, well into their 60s and 70s mm -hmm. and things that have been bothering them for decades and affecting them directly from decades, uh, affecting their, their mood, affecting their um, ability to emotionally regulate uh, their relationships with family and friends and especially spouses. Mm -hmm. uh, I've seen those improve right. even, even after being untouched for decades. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of speaks to the sort of incredible resilience of the human mind and brain that you can have that for 30 years and then decide to go get help and just see a massive improvement. I think it's, it really just speaks to, it's never too late to get help and to start feeling better. Well, healing does happen. Otherwise you wouldn't do what you do. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So, um, the name of the study that you're doing right now, it's a military family resilience study through the university of Calgary. Okay. And who, what do you need right now to get this uh, study off the ground? You, you still need some some help with that and some access to do interviews, don't you? Yeah, definitely. Um, we're still looking for participants. Um, there's two prongs to the study. One is a survey. So um, whichever military parent, whether it's a mom or dad, fills out like a two, three minute questionnaire about PTSD symptoms. And then their child between the age of 11 and 18 fills out the rest of the study just on resilience, their own mental health, and kind of their relationship with their parents. So that's the one prong. 
The other prong is we're interviewing teenagers between the age of 14 and 18 who have a parent that has an occupational stress injury and that has served in the Canadian military at some point. Um, so they're free to volunteer themselves for that study. And we're just asking kind of what their experience has been like and what makes them resilient and how they think they've sort of managed any kind of stress that might have come with that. All right. And how do they get a hold of you to participate? Um, so you can uh, call or text me. I have a sort of study phone number at 403-771-0964. Or if you Google UFC Military Family Resilience Study, the page should pop right up. The link is quite long, so I won't <laughs> go through that whole thing. Um, but yeah, so probably that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. All right. And uh, just to... Now, do you have any members of your family that have served in the military or do you have any, do you, do you have a dog in this hunt? You know, I don't have any members of my family that are closely connected to that are in the military. Um, my interest really is in sort of trauma and family dynamics. So that's sort of where the heart of my interest comes from. Um, but I am just sort of interested in how the military families work uniquely because it's a unique it's a unique lifestyle for a lot of people and not a lot of people have the same experiences. So. All right. And have you been working uh, with any uh, military clinicians? Not yet. I have connected with the occupational stress injury clinic here. So I'm getting kind of better acquainted with them. Um, at this point in my training, I'm a little bit more of a generalist and looking to sort of specialize more in that area as I go. All right. So right now what you need is more participants for more data and uh, is that just something that they fill out online or how is that actually, or do they have to print it out and then send it back to you or how does that work? So the survey is entirely online. You should just get a SurveyMonkey link and be able to click through that pretty quickly. And then the interview parts we're doing online, either by Zoom or by phone. So just get in touch with me and I can set that up. All right. Any uh, closing thoughts? Anything that uh, you want people to know about the study or, or why you're doing what you're doing? Um, I think what I want people to know is we're really trying to focus on strength. We're not trying to add to any stigma of having PTSD um, because I know it can be quite challenging for parents to kind of recognize that maybe they're having an impact on their kids. And we're really trying to emphasize that kids are resilient, kids are tough, they can get through this. And we would just want to be able to understand how they do that a little bit better so that we can help everyone out. So. Well, as a parent who is went, went into treatment and is doing uh, 38 now episodes of Tango Romeo to help others be better parents and better better people and live happier lives, um, thank you for the, for choosing this particular uh, study because there is a giant gap. Mm -hmm. There's there's no question. Um, spouses and and kids are still left in the dust, although that's starting to change. But um, all the resources seem to be towards the, the veterans and the first responders, not to the uh, spouses and children. Um, and that's, I mean, that's what it's all about, is uh, not doing damage, not doing harm uh, to relationships. Because harming them harms yourself as well. Yeah. You know, and, and nobody wants to be the one that's doing the harm. We're supposed to be the good guys. Right. Yeah. And that's what we want to help. Just it helps everybody if we can help the kids. So that's what we're hoping. It does. And uh, stop the cycle. Yeah, exactly. All right. Danae Lott, thank you so much for being on Operation Tango Romeo, episode 38. And uh, one more time, how can they get a hold of you? So either at 403-771-0964 or UFC Military Family Resilience Study. Okay. Danae, thank you. Thanks for having me.
At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making peer support for post-traumatic stress disorder easily accessible with a vision of a world where finding help and support is simple and the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. Thank you.